Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit <laughs> Episode. Oh, guess what? What? Guess what episode number this is? Seven? I've been saving it just for you. <laughs> this is seven. It's episode seven of this great, great show. So, today I'm talking to Mr. Darren Graham with 50 letters after the name. You are author. You are... Oh, you're just author now, aren't you? Cont- yeah. Lifelong student. You're never going to stop. Part-time casual musician, if that. One percent of the time. You know me better than I know myself. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it's Darren Graham. Tell me all the letters after the name. B A M A Diphead. You. I know you're a Diphead. <laughs> oh, I'm a real one. I remember Diphead. <laughs> you got B A. B A Diphead M A M A, and I'm doing a PhD. Oh, you need. You know, and all those <laughs> comedy shows where they get the business card and it flips down to like fifty. <laughs> That's what you need to fit all the letters. <laughs> Okay, so first we'll talk about the book that just came out in my hand right now. Finding the Lost Years of Jesus, A Christian Approach. Tell me in 10 seconds what this is about. Uh, This is about the the early years of Jesus' life. So between the ages of 13 and 30, before his ministry. So they're the years that are not really in the Bible. Because there's the birth in the Bible and there's, there's the end of his life in the Bible. Yeah, there's bits and pieces, there's small references, but there's no real in-depth description or narrative. But there are clues, and this book brings all the clues together to to flesh out what those years were like. Now, this is your second book. The first one was The First Christians. Yeah, The First Christians was a, was just a, a short-run publication that, you know, I, I was poor at the time, so <laughs> I, I couldn't pay for all the bells and whistles for publishing. But um, this one is available through an Amazon... Amazon. Sorry, Finding the Lost Years of Jesus is available through an Amazon company called Create Space. So they sell this book uh, through Amazon all over the world. So anyone around the world can buy this book. On Amazon.com? Yeah, for $19.95. US US, US. There we go. So this one just came out, what, a few weeks ago? A uh, cu- couple of months ago now, a uh, couple of go. months, yeah. It's it's by far my favourite book that I've written and one of my favourite books that I've read, I think. So can you still buy the first one? Um, No. Oh, it's no. out of print. That, it's rare. You can sell it for like $100 now on I eBay. I know, it's a bootleg, isn't it? <laughs> sell it for $180 on eBay. <laughs> it can go into archives now. Put it in the vault and never <laughs> release it. <laughs> That's what people do with all the good things in this world. So, does this one, the mm. second new book, does this have anything to do with, or is this in the first book, where you looked at the archaeological proof of things that happened in the Bible, and then they found, like, oh, this was the rock that this happened at. Yeah. That's in this one. It's in this Finding the Lost Jesus. Okay. 
There's uh, there's archaeological um, work that's been done in Nazareth and around Galilee. Mm. And so... Um, because they're always digging up new stuff, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. So there's there's a place just near Nazareth, which is where Jesus lives during the lost years. A city called called Sepphoris. Yeah. Not not Syphilis. No, don't get those confused. Very d- <laughs> We're not implying Jesus had anything no. to do with Syphilis at all. This place called Sepphoris was um, a, a new building at this time. A new building, a new city at this time. And it was in the process of being built. It was like, um, you know, a new city. Mm. And it was only six kilometres from Nazareth. Mm-hmm. So Jesus, being a carpenter... He was building it. In those days, a, a carpenter was like a builder. Mm. So he didn't work in a factory. He worked on site at different sites. So he probably worked at Sepphoris. Mm. So in the early days of when Sepphoris was being excavated, people discovered things like um, pagan temples and... You know, things like that. And they thought, well, if Jesus was building these things, he must have been like a pagan. But work since then, archaeological work since then, has shown that those things came later in the 4th century. Earlier on, during the time of Jesus, this Sepphoris place, this city, was um, it was a, actually a really Jewish city. Mm. So during the time of the Lost Years, Jesus wasn't building pagan temples he wasn't a, a pagan as such he was he was a jew throughout his whole life and in his workplace he uh, he built jewish things like synagogues mm-hmm. and other jewish um sorts of buildings and and sites as well Ooh. see because when you were telling me about this archaeological finding stuff and well either the the building they found or a wall or something that supports something in the Bible. Mm. But then I thought, what if it's the other way around? If the Bible supports archaeology. Well, yeah, what if there was just a wall? Because the wall would have been there Mm. before they wrote the Bible, because the Bible was written hundreds of years later. Then I thought, what if the wall was there and then they wrote the the story about it? Oh, no. No, definitely not, no. Um, Because that's... that's, I always think, well, what if the opposite? That's, That's my... So what's it called? So writing the Bible Devil's Advocate to to fit the archaeological evidence. Yeah. All oh, right. Even though they haven't, you know, even though they're still discovering stuff now, there would have been stuff there when they were writing the the stories in the Bible. If that's what they did, they didn't do a very good job, <laughs> because uh, the Gospels, the four books in the Bible about Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, were written in about the sixties A.D. Mm. So only about thirty years after Jesus. Uh, ascended so not long after but only a couple of years after they wrote those gospels the romans came in and destroyed most of galilee and judea so all of the evidence that they talked you know when they're talking about the temple in jerusalem in the gospels well the temple was only around for maybe five years more Mm. and then it was completely destroyed so, so Jerusalem was razed to the ground. The Jews mm. were carried off into slavery. All of these uh, places of, of Jewish settlement, they were almost completely destroyed. Mm. So um, now archaeologists working in Israel, they have the Bible as their main source of, of proof for where to dig, for mm. where to look, because they know that this, this Bible was, uh, this, the Gospels were written at a time 
when these buildings, when these um, when these townships, when the temple existed, was, existed, mm. yeah. So they're using the Bible to go and find these places and and to find what what can be salvaged after the Romans oh, cause like destroyed it. Because in the Bible it can say, oh, there was this place. But then, you know, one day's walk you from there, to... there was this place. Yeah. So they walk for one day and go, oh, it must have been here. Exactly. And then oh. they dig and then they see the things that they can find there. There's there's a place called Emmaus and it's just near uh, Jerusalem and it's uh, mentioned in the Bible. And, you know, archaeologists were going, is it here? Is it here? You know? The Bible says it's only three, I can't remember how many kilometers, three three kilometers or so from Jerusalem. So they they went around Jerusalem, every direction, every direction to see what they could find. They finally found it. So oh. it was west of Jerusalem. Yeah. So this is good because I can I, I know nothing basically about religion, so I can ask you all the dumbest questions. Yeah, please do. It's great. Please do. Please do. There was a thing years ago, and they were saying that zero A.D. when zero was was actually like. 26 years off or something. Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, that's exactly What's that right. story? Okay, so um, in the 6th century, the calendar was reformed by the Catholic Church and the monk in charge of reforming the calendar to make it the calendar we have now, he miscalculated. Ooh. Miscalculated the birth of Jesus. So um, Jesus was actually born about 7 BC. BC, okay. Before seven, zero, okay. Yeah, so 7 BC. So, um... Also, oh, 7 and what? 33? Oh, so, I'm right. It's like 26 years off when the things happen? Oh, about 30, 30 AD. Or 30. Yeah. Because it was 33. Back in ancient times when they wanted to uh, give, give an age or a period of time, they're, they're very, you know, they would they would round it off to the nearest <laughs> number. So, so when, when they say Jesus was around 30 when he began his ministry, yeah, he was, he was actually older than that. Oh. That they just rounded it off. That was just convention at the time. But um, yeah, so the monk, his name was Dionysus. He he got it wrong. He got uh, the birth of Jesus wrong. So yeah, the, basically the calendar is out. So what so, year is it so actually the year now? Year two thousand was actually nineteen ninety three. So where were you in the year two thousand? So when Prince sings about nineteen ninety nine, he's actually singing about nineteen ninety two. Yeah. But he didn't yeah, know it. But it. we do. We know. <laughs> and again, seven. It's yes, it's seven, seven years, years off. The wonderful. He number. did know. He did know. He that's must the, have known. That's, and that's he made the up proof. the difference years later with seven. That's the proof. <laughs> he knew it was actually seven years earlier. <laughs> wow. There you go. So you really can't buy the first book. Do you have any? Do you have copies? I think I have a few copies around. Yeah. Well, well you're on Facebook. Somewhere. If anybody really wants the first copy. They can get you on Facebook. Yeah. And you've still got, you know, you've still got three left if someone wants it. Uh, probably, yeah. I, I would say so. I can scrounge some up. Yeah. But this one, Finding the Last Years of Jesus, is Amazon. by far my best book. By far. And not only does it talk about the good evidence for Jesus between the ages of 13 and 30, it looks at a lot of... Um, bad evidence. Bad evidence. Hide the evidence. So... <laughs> It should be hidden. It's terrible. Uh, some people um, have aired the possibility that Jesus was, um, you know, he went to India in those years. And, and That's not the Beatles or, going or, for their yoga trip. Or that he went to Britain and visited Stonehenge and there are just some <laughs> wacky, He wacky built Stonehenge. So this book addresses those those theories too in, in, a, in, a, in a sensible, balanced way. It doesn't write them off. It just says, look at the evidence, make up your own mind, 
And yeah, it's very easy to make up your own mind on most of that sort of thing. I remember when you first told me that you were going to write this book, and I said, you know, what, when he was backpacking through Europe? (laughs) (laughs) He did a bit of travel. And that's what people are saying. He did a bit of travel, but mainly around... um, Not too far. No, not too far. So mainly around Galilee. He went to the festivals in Jerusalem or... Big music uh, festivals at the time. The big religious festivals. There would have been lots of music and lots of mm-hmm. chanting and singing and prayers. So he was rolling um, around in the mud. He probably went to what's now Lebanon. Mm-hmm. There's two places there, two ancient cities called Tyre and Sidon. They were big harbour cities. They were the only big harbour cities in the area. And uh, in his ministry, he, he went there at the start of his ministry. And by the looks of things, he was um, he was already familiar with those places by the start of his ministry, which mm. means that he'd probably been there once or twice during the lost years as well. So he, he did travel a bit, but you got to remember that back in those times, you either walked or you went with a donkey, you know. So he, could, donkey. he couldn't have gone that far. Yeah, if he went to London to see the Queen, then yeah. it would have taken him about a year to get there. It would have taken a while. <laughs> it just doesn't add up. So one of the theories is that the site where the Stonehenge rocks came from is in Wales. Now, that's Mm. true. But if you go to that site in Wales where the stones are from, there's white specks on the rock. Mm. Now, some people think... That's Jesus' tears. (laughs) ...that these white specks on a blue rock background... It's the stars. And that is where Jesus got the idea of the kingdom of heaven. Oh, there you go. (laughs) That's what some people say is the truth. Now, obviously, oh, Who knows? I, I don't have to say, that is just ridiculous. Jesus never went there, and even if he did, why he... Oh, I just don't... So the people who believe that, they're saying that before that point in time, well, heaven didn't exist. Exactly. I, I, I guess so. I mean, it's just obvious, isn't it? I mean, there are so many ways that you could uh, think about the kingdom of heaven without going to, to, to Wales and looking at a bunch of rocks. Not that there's anything wrong with Wales. No, and Lovely people, wrong with lovely rocks. accent. People in Wales, listen to Tom Jones talk. Yeah, I love Tom Jones. Um, but I don't think Jesus actually went to Wales and looked at the rocks and went, oh, that's a good idea. It's even in the first thing of the Bible. God created heaven and the earth. Yeah, yeah. So The earth. And heaven, created yeah. at the same time. Jesus was, Not was a Jew. 20 years so. after Jesus was born, and he went to England, and he goes, oh, wow, what a good idea. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'll go back and tell Dad, great idea. He'll be so, he'll be so proud. <laughs> he'll be so proud of me. Genius. <laughs> oh, jeez. So, I mean, the kingdom of heaven is, is all the way through the Old Testament of the Bible, the, the, the Hebrew Scriptures, and Jesus was very much a Jew and when you read the Gospels you see that repeatedly he talks about what's what's in the Old Testament that talks about him, that talks about love and respect and, and uh, serving God. It's obvious where he gets the idea of the kingdom of heaven from and the kingdom of God from. Yeah. So next dumb question. Yeah. In the Bible there's Old Testament and New Testament. Yeah. Isn't there there's some people only believe the old, is it the Old Testament? They only believe the, like the first part? Yes. Yeah, so and they just forget the second part? Yeah, so uh, the Old Testament are, are the really old Jewish scriptures from um, very early on through to about the 400s BC. So there's different types of Jewish denominations and sects that place different importance on different books of that Old Testament. Christians look at the New Testament as well mm. because the New Testament has the Gospels, it has 
the the, uh, the early um, writings of the early Christians. So people who want to know something about Jesus, the first port of call is, is your book. Is, <laughs> and after my book, <laughs> the New Testament, the supporting book, the Bible, <laughs> which is a good book too. It's like a B side. <laughs> Sometimes B sides are better than the. Actual yeah, I, I think in this case, yeah, it's definitely the B side. Is um, the the song goes for much longer yeah. than my book. <laughs> my book isn't over a thousand pages long. Oh, what have you been doing? Then? <laughs> yeah. Too much Judge Judy. You need to write more. <laughs> so my book is hundreds. Where are we? Hundred and fifty something. Over hundred and fifty. Hundred and fifty six. The Bible's is quite a lot longer than that, so uh, the B side, the, the Bible side, is much longer song. So you get more value from your money if you buy the B side. <laughs> <laughs> so your book, this book, the second book, the new one, can anybody read this book? This is written from you, who believes all the religion. What about someone who doesn't? Can they read this as a, a factual book without believing yeah. everything? So what I've done... Because those is, people exist. Yeah. Uh, what I've done is I've stripped away the religion. So it's just the facts. Um, yeah. And a bit of story. It's just a book about who Jesus was, what kind of person he was. Oh. Anyone can read it. There's historical stuff because I'm a historian. So there's quite a bit of historical stuff there, but it's not an expose. It's not a tabloid. It's not a quick grab for money. You didn't write it for a current affair or I didn't today, write it tonight. for effect. I, I wrote it respectfully. You know, for people who might just be interested in just finding out a bit more about what kind of person Jesus was. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, there's a lot of people, and I'm one too, who I don't go for religion. To me, the, the best religion is just love. Mm. Um, and I'm, I'm happy with that. But Jesus, wow, I mean, he was... He was incredible and he was profound. And a lot of people admire Jesus and model their own lives on Jesus without the religion. Mm. And I, I'm totally for that. So if you just want to know about Jesus without the religion, you know, have a look at my book. Now, Jesus did do certain religious things, but he only did them when they were meaningful. He did some good tricks. Well, he went to the synagogue uh, mm-hmm. regularly, and he went to the temple a couple of times every year. But, you know, he wasn't the, the strictest Jew of his time. In fact, he criticised a lot of the Jews, a lot of the really strict Jewish priests at the time, because they were so strict with religion, but they had forgotten things about love and mm. honour and mercy and compassion. Jesus was about those things. He wasn't about religion. So when you see all these different religious denominations that say, yes, we have, uh, we're, we're Christian, I wonder if Jesus were here today, if he, would, if he would say, that's good, or if he would say... That's not what I was thinking. That's exactly right. And I think you're right. You've taken that. it in a different direction. Yeah, okay. I, I, think you, I think you're definitely right there. Uh-huh. I think he would have stripped it back and said, look, this is about love. We've got homeless people here. We've got uh-huh. people who require practical expressions of love and compassion and what are you doing you're plating your churches or your temples or your mosques or your or your synagogues in gold and mm. there's people starving you know, mm. I, I think jesus would have real issues with that 
So basically, if you want to get to know Jesus without the the gold in the churches and the synagogues and the temples and the mosques, my book is okay. I would probably suggest, though, that you have a little glance at the Gospels, just so that you know, so that you get your own first-hand information about Jesus. You know those books for dummies? Hmm. Is there the, I'm sure there's the Bible for dummies. I don't know. There'd have to be. For someone who doesn't want to read, you know, a thousand pages, yeah. there must be like a condensed... I mean, there's kids' I've versions of it. One. There's kids' versions of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's much Australian versions of it too. There's Australian versions where... Oh, he doesn't go out stunning. to the billabong and... Yeah, all that part sort of that thing. billabong does. Yeah, all that sort of thing. <laughs> it doesn't rain frogs, it's raining like quackers. <laughs> raining cave toads. <laughs> Great. I want to see the Australian version now. It's got to be some good stuff in there. Now... So there's two books, but there's also, you write for this magazine, or magazines, Archaeological Digging? Yeah, Archaeological Diggings. I've been writing for them. Articles? Yeah, articles since 2006. Cool. So um, I'm very happy to say that this is the the longest run I've had with a job, and I love it it to bits. (laughs) I love it to bits. I love it to bits. This is, it's given me a bit of extra pocket money while I've been studying, but it's also a good way to get your ideas out there and to, to uh, you know, anyone can can buy that magazine. They just go to a news agency and, and pick it up and buy it for eight, eight or nine bucks or however much it costs. And, you know, not only myself, but other writers who are... Yeah, you, you know, don't write the whole magazine. Oh, no. You just have an article. And... I'm the Greece and Rome guy. Oh. Other people do um, Egypt... The ancient Near East, or... So this is not a religious thing at all. This is just archaeology, digging up things and going, Um, oh, wow, look, this rock. There's all different sorts of archaeology. There's there's, um, archaeology that just looks at the physical remains of things. But there's also biblical archaeology. So, Mm -hmm. you know, in places like Israel, uh, where there's a heavy, um, heavy... Uh, Jewish history there or Chris, and, and Christian history there you're bound to dig up things that have um, something to do with the Bible mm. so in, in the magazine, in Archaeological Diggings you have articles that um, you know, talk about things that are in the Bible but also in that magazine it talks about things that aren't in the Bible too so you can weigh up you know, uh, the facts mm. and get a broad picture of what the past was like in those times. So if they're, like you said, there's people digging up stuff, looking for it from directions in the Bible, mm. but then there's also people who are just digging up stuff. Yeah. So then do they go to the, the Bible, not the Bible people, those people who know all their religion, mm. and they're going to go, oh yeah, that star thing, that's mm. from this thing in the Bible. Yeah, well, there are, are a lot of... Because ar- people are just digging for fun, and yeah. they might find anything. There are a lot of archaeologists who... Go, they might go out they to um, archaeological dig sites who aren't Christians or aren't Jews or aren't anything. Digging. But what they find, what they find when they're digging, if that leads them to the Bible, often they think, hey, well, the Bible isn't a bunch of fairy stories. It's actually true because this is what I've found. There's this, um, and that's happened many times. Um, there, are, there are guys who have been digging in in in, uh, in Greece, in Western Turkey, in Israel, all over the place, who have found things that um, are talked about in the Bible, and it makes them think. You know, is is this the only occasion in the Bible where there's 
a fact that can be confirmed by physical remains and uh, makes makes you think. Makes mm. you think. Mm. Okay, next question. Next dumb question. Maybe not so dumb. All the stuff in the Bible happened in that area, you know. Mm. Israel, around there. Why there? Why not the middle of Australia? Why not England? It just happened to be there. I think it's... Is there something so special about that place? Or it just it was just there? Could have been anywhere. I think it's proximity to where the uh, to where things were happening at that time. Oh, in Australia, yeah, there was nothing happening. There. Yeah, well, if if you <laughs> if you read the the first two books of the Bible, Genesis and Exodus, it traces the believers in God from what's now Iraq and Kuwait over to Egypt, where uh, the Jews were uh, enslaved by the Egyptians. And God promised them a way out. So he promised them uh, a land that was, um, you know, had a bit of everything. Had a, had, had a bit of snow, had a bit of desert, had a bit of everything for, for the Jews. Yeah, for the Jews to make use of and really find safety and prosperity. In. And mm. that just happened to be Israel. So I think God had always intended Israel to be settled by people who honour him and respect him. Unfortunately, there have been many people living there and around there who haven't respected him and have um, treated each other appallingly. Um, so that's all the Israel-Palestine stuff, isn't it? And they're saying, well, this is our going, land, and they're saying, no, it's not your land. Going right back, right uh, back BC. There's nothing's always, changed. It's still going. always been ethnic, ethnic cleansing. There's always been warfare. There's always been persecution there. It's such a terrible shame that the place that God intended his people to live in is a place that has been abused and exploited and fought over for centuries war by people. It should be a peaceful place. It's war zone. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, and I think God's intention for Israel is reflected in the New Jerusalem that the Bible talks about. Heaven. Mm. Heaven is the is, is a Jerusalem of a different sort. Heaven is um, heaven is what God intended Israel to be, only in reality that happens, if you know what I mean. Like not mm. only is heaven intended to be a, a beautiful place, but it also is a beautiful place. Yeah. Well, There's no war there. Mm. There's no abuse. There's no exploitation there's um there's no ethnic cleansing any of that yeah so heaven is called in the bible the the new jerusalem belinda carlisle said heaven is a place on earth well she was partly right mm. when you have a think about the lord's prayer when jesus said your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven so i think for jesus who was um who was inaugurating the kingdom of god as we talk, talked about the kingdom of heaven on earth we don't have to wait to heaven to be in heaven mm. we can make it we can make it here in our own lives we can't force it on every on everyone obviously but we can do something in our own lives in our own hearts to make ourselves um you can do your best you can do your absolute yeah, absolutely and and you can carry yourself with dignity and uh you can you can live your own life as though you were already in heaven mm. So I guess I guess if the New Jerusalem is in heaven and um, we are to live as though we were already in heaven, so to speak. Yep, heaven's a place on earth. 
There you go. It's in each one of us to find and to nurture. To quote an old bootleg, mm. that's enough of that religion. Mm. What are we going to talk about now? Super Jesus. Oh, yes, the Super Jesus. The beings. Not religious in any not, way that not, I know of. Not Jesus who is super, but the super who is Jesus. Even well, though he might be. Yeah, I reckon he'd love the Probably super Probably doesn't have Jesus. a cape, but flowing robes. Yeah. <laughs> I reckon he would love the Super Jesus. Yeah, you go. Oh, that's good music. That's rock. Yeah. You haven't seen them for a long time, have you? No. No, I haven't. The last time I saw them was I... only a few months ago. They played at Annandale. I they saw played them two once. Nights. I saw them at um, Glenworth Valley, oh. which was decades ago. That was 90s. Yes, that Sometime. was ages ago. Late 90s, maybe? And they were fantastic. They are. They were the are. best. They were the best band of the whole festival, I thought. They still, they're still great. You know what? You can see on YouTube. I went and saw them last year, 2014, on Australia Day at some Bankstown Australia Day party. Big mm. festival thing. And they were there, and they played at like, you know, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Or 5 o'clock, I don't know. But it's on YouTube. Someone recorded the whole thing. I'll send it to wow. you. They wow. Awesome. Play, they played like, I think, 11 songs or something. I'll send the thing to you. That's good. Thanks. And hey. I was there. And you can see me. You can see my fat head walking. walking <laughs> going, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's great. Hey, I was wondering. We've seen the presidents of the United States of America a fair few times. Yes. Which performance that you saw of theirs is your favorite? My memory is not good enough to answer that question. We saw them, I remember the first time might have been at that Macquarie Uni thing with Custard. The first time we saw them was at the Horton Pavilion. Oh, with Andrew and, yeah. and the girls, yeah. yeah. And then we saw them about a couple of weeks after that at Macquarie University. See, when was that? Up that at must the have bar. been like 94? 96, I 95, think it was. 96? Because the second album came out, I think, in 95. Yeah, with, so puff, we did, with did Puffy they... Little Shoes. Yeah. Did they come here for the first album? I can't remember. Maybe they didn't. No, they must have. I don't know. They must have. We, we, I must have seen them before that. They played Puffy Little Shoes at the Horton Pavilion. That's on the second album. Yeah. And I think they played that and a couple of other songs off the second album at Macquarie Uni. I think I've seen them every But you were so time. drunk, I'm surprised you'd remember any of it. One of the <laughs> extreme few times in my life when I was very drunk. Like, probably one of four. That was one of them. I remember. You remember being drunk, but you don't remember anything else. I remember, like, just sitting down slumped against the wall. <laughs> I remember? remember that. And I'm like, yeah, it's really good. I'm just having a rest. <laughs> Give me a few minutes. <laughs> I'll be back up there soon. <laughs> you know what's funny about We Saw Presidents? Was that the same stage that we played on? That yeah. little stage? Yeah. At that Battle of the Bands thing? Yeah. So we, oh, we're, we're just as good as Presidents. We're like that. We're like that. <laughs> Us and the Us Presidents. And the presidents. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we played on the same stage. That's pretty cool. Mm. I think I've seen them every time they've been here. They came here... The last time I saw them was maybe two years ago. They played at that Roundhouse, UNSW Roundhouse, oh, I which I hate one. as a venue. It's Some people might like it, but I don't like it. Have never you ever been, been, been there? there? It's no, this I've weird... It's a round building. Right. There's like a stage... There's this big circle. There's a stage like there. And then there's all that where everyone stands. But then there's also a balcony up the top all around. Which is a good idea. Because you can fit more people. They can look down. But I just don't like it as a venue. Mm. But that was the last time I saw them. And then I saw them before that. I think they played the Metro. Did you ever meet them? Once. They did a signing. I've got signed stuff. I can't remember which tour or album it was. Mm. They came to... 
Some had them at JB Hi-Fi. They did it in store. It was either JB Hi-Fi or Alan's Music or something like that. You told me that um, they were going to be doing an in-store signing at JB. JB, that was So it. I went there and um, I got a few signed CDs and I, I was able to, to shake hands and meet with them. And, oh, man, they're so funny. <laughs> Even when they're not singing funny songs, they are so funny. Just look at them. Yeah. Just their faces. <laughs> Just their faces. They played a few songs that day. It was awesome. It was really good. Yeah, they played like four or five songs, I think. Yeah. But you remember who else we met was Joe Satriani. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I still remember. Like, I think you were first. And you, you did he sign a thing? Or, like, yep. I can't remember. And I was behind you. And then I got up to him. I don't think I had anything to sign. I think he just signed a bit of a little poster or something. Right. That they were just handing out. And I, what do I say to him? Wow, your eyes are really blue. That's what I say to him. <laughs> Can I have a kiss? <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, he had those eyes, they're like super blue, like yeah. really light, like sky blue, and I just, wow, like a total idiot, and he just looked at me like, okay, <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember what he said, I just remember me being an idiot, like I wasn't, I remember, I wasn't starstruck, I was eye colour struck, <laughs> it was just the eyes, just wow, look at those, <laughs> I remember that, that was an in-store, I think that was Alan's, that was Alan's, yeah, yeah, it was Alan's. Good old in-store appearances. Mmm, I love him. Yeah, he signed a CD for me. And I said, which is your favourite album? He said, I'll have to think about that. <laughs> he's, he's still waiting. He's still... He's still, what he's still thinking. That, he's still thinking. He whatever happened know. to that guy in Australia? He was going to get back to me. He's still waiting. <laughs> Man, I should try and find him on Facebook. He's still waiting for that. You should have said Time Machine, because was that the one that I got for you, which was a yeah, blue yeah. promo advanced copy cassette thing? I found it in some second-hand shop in the city, which most of those shops don't even exist anymore. I know. Is Red Eye still there? Is Red Eye still in I, the city? I, they are somewhere. I don't think they're in King Street anymore. They've moved uh. to somewhere else. But they, I mean, they had three shops at one point. They had the two in that underground mall in King Street, where the, it's Coles now. Then they had the other second-hand one way down Pitt Street where all the other second-hand ones were. They're all gone except one. I think Lawson's is the only one still there. Lawson's? What's Lawson's? Second-hand. CD shop. Oh, right. They're still there. They're like the only one left out of, used to be like five, hmm. all in that those two blocks. There's nothing left. It's horrible. Hmm. I've got so many good memories of going to Red Eye with you. We spent a lot of, we said. We spent a lot much, of time there. Spent a lot of time and too much money. That's okay. We probably spent fine. more time there than we did money, though. Yeah. We spent a lot of time there just listening to music and looking through the CDs and going, oh, I'd love to get that. But oh, look at that. Because <laughs> that was when you could get a CD and you could go, can I listen to this? Yeah. And you could sit there for 45 minutes listening to an entire album. Yeah. Because they had, like, I think, three CD players there. Yeah. So it was no problem to do that. Oh, it was terrific. Now you just get it all on the internet and you just listen to it. Mm. Not the same. No. I remember we used to uh, listen to print CDs that were rare or or archives or some rare concert or whatever. Yeah. It's all on YouTube now. I remember. It's all released. I remember sitting in this exact room. It takes room. the fun out of it. I remember sitting in this exact room for the first time watching the Sign of the Times VHS that Dave had in here. <laughs> it's the first time I ever saw it. Yeah. And he kept showing me like Sheila E's drum clip. And he's like, oh, look at her. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. And he rewinded and watch it again. This room. Wow. The TV was like right there. 
Oh, anyway, back to Super Jesus. Yep. When do they get together? I think like 96, 97. They did three albums. Mm. And then they didn't do much for a while. I think they broke up 2004. And I saw one of their last shows. Because my cousin Simon was here from Canada. Mm. And we went and saw them, I think, at like St. Mary somewhere. Ah. And that was like maybe 2003 sometime. And then, yeah, I went back overseas. I can't remember what happened. And then, then they broke up. And I'm like, oh, well, I'll never see them again. And then only, well, late last year, I think, they had a reunion thing, which was 10 years last year. And they played they played in Adelaide, because that's where they're from. I think they played two shows there. Oh, and sold out, and everybody went crazy. And they're like, oh, well, if people want to see some more, we'll do some more shows. So they did a little tour last year. But then they've come back this year and done a bigger tour with um, Baby Animals. Cool. With Susie Damachi. Because they're both the rock chicks, those mm. two, Sarah McLeod and her. It was called the She Who Rocks Tour. I like that. It's a good name. But I didn't see that show because it was at the Metro. And by the time I found out about it, it was already sold out. So I'm like, oh, I'm not going then. Oh, well. And they didn't play a second show. But Sarah's always doing like Sarah solo shows. Sarah has an amazing voice. I've got it's a, a very unique sounding voice. I have to, you have to hear a recording I've got of a show she did. Unbelievable. Even her talking voice, it's just the tone of her voice. Mm. Um, she's a great singer. She, she uses her voice very well. But certain singers have a unique voice that can't be copied, and she's got mm. one. She's got just the right amount of huskiness yeah. when she needs it. It's yeah. not always there, but when it's there, oh, it's there. Yeah. <laughs> there's no mistaking. When you hear her mm. sing, there's no mistaking. You know who, she, who, who it is that's singing. Sarah McLeod, for anyone who doesn't know, go to YouTube or Facebook. She's on Facebook, Twitter, Sarah McLeod, The Super Jesus. Listen to some of that. It's good stuff. It is. It's fantastic. Even the song, uh, if you want an introductory song to The Super Jesus, uh, go go for Gravity. Gravity's good. It's a good song. Go for Gravity. That'll start you on your merry way. See, anyway. that's off the second album, I think. That's off Jet Age. That's off the third album. And the third was rock music, wasn't it? Oh, well, then it's the second yeah, album. Yeah, second. But I found the second album more, a bit more poppy. Yeah. The first too. one was just more like hard rock, like Saturation and Down Again or just, just rock your face off. I found the first album probably um, more genuine than the second. The second one I, I thought mm. was a bit more... As soon as labels get involved, like, oh, you should be sounding a bit more like this. Yeah. And that's what was happening, I think. And when you go... I went with you to a couple of Sarah McLeod concerts when she was going solo. In the olden days. And, um, you know, her, her sound was rock. Mm. And I'd say that the rest of the Super Jesus band members' sounds were rock too. So I like the mm. first album the best. Where did you... Was this a band show we saw or just solo? Yeah. Uh, with, with a band. It was, at Annandale? It was Sarah McLeod. Yeah, at, um, at Annandale a couple of times. That was her solo album debut thing. Yeah. And she called her band the Black Diamond Express, which is a good name for a band. I like that. That was good. That was two nights in a row. That were really good shows. And that was a rock album as well. But then after that, she went off and did all this like techno stuff and dance music. And... You're kidding. No. There's a whole bunch of tracks is with her. Is it good? I can't answer that because I don't like it. Uh, it's still her voice, and it sort of suits that style of music, but it's not my choice of music I'd listen to. Whether dance people like it, I don't know. But, you know, even that song, He Doesn't Love You, have you heard that? That was on that album. 
Yep. That was transformed into a bunch of dancey remixes and stuff. <laughs> which, right. you know, I'll just listen to the rock version, if that's okay. <laughs> I don't need yeah. to hear those. But she's back to the rock now. Back with the Super Jesus. New album is... They're writing... They're recording now. The new album is I'm coming. looking forward to that. I'm getting into that for sure. That will be a good album. Yeah. Like, the first single's already out. Setting Sun. That's on YouTube, I think. Mm. Go and listen to that. And she's been playing that in her solo shows for... Oh, I don't know, at least six months. Because I've heard it a few times... And then when the single came out, I listened to it, and it sounded a bit different. And then, like halfway through, I'm like, "I've heard this song before. This is that song that she played." But now it's just twisted a bit to Super Jesus sound, with you know that sort of ethereal effects and stuff that she puts on a voice and the Super Jesus sound. It's got it now. When before it was just her and mm. acoustic guitars, mm. but it's good. New album coming soon. This <laughs> we. The first part of this show was, yeah, let's plug the books, let's sell the books. And now it's just, let's plug Super Jesus albums. Either way, we're plugging Jesus in one form or another, <laughs> yes. and that's not a bad thing. He's in there, uh, by name. <laughs> there's there's plenty of music in heaven uh, that the Bible says, so, you know, I'm sure they'll be playing some awesome music up there too. They'll be, they'll be listening to this in heaven, going, oh yeah, the Super Jesus, they rock! <laughs> Do you think? <laughs> I think. Because, you know, every time some, like, big musician dies, like, you know, like when Bob Dylan dies or, I don't know, like when George Harrison died, everyone's like, oh, he's up in heaven playing with the with the house band now. But imagine that band that they've got. If you have that band, Jimi Hendrix, you know, James Brown, who's going to be listening to Super Jesus, really? When you've got all them live right there. <laughs> when you've got them, like, you know, hundreds of them. <laughs> It's like, hey, James Brown, sing me a song, man. I, I think, <laughs> wow, yeah, yeah. I no, I think they'll be, uh, they would like to listen to Super Jesus for sure, because the choir. Imagine how big the choir is. Oh, they would love to billions. listen to Sarah McLeod. It would be billions. Sing. I know, all singing in time in unison. Imagine, imagine the diction. But they'd have to practice their singing so well because you just get lost in billions of people singing. Just because you go to heaven doesn't mean you just magically turn into a great singer. You know, no, there's that's probably true. still some pretty horrible singers. <laughs> it's like you don't. Need, you're, you're the audience part. You yeah. don't need to sing. There's a we choir. need an audience. <laughs> there has to be an audience there. This is the band here. They they tap their feet <laughs> really well. They probably can't do that in time. Oh, either. rainbows come out. Some no. people can't even clap in time. <laughs> Clapping on the one. Oh. No. It's like, well, we need an audience. All you people who can't sing, you're the audience. Yeah. But don't clap either, because you probably can't do that. Just at the end of songs, you can clap. <laughs> Otherwise, total silence. Don't ruin the song. <laughs> it's the best musicians that ever existed. Don't ruin it. Okay? The one-time-only performance until tomorrow. Can you imagine Mike Oldfield in heaven? Oh, with all let's the... talk about Mike Oldfield for the next <laughs> half an hour. Oh. Hey, see, for once, it's not me bringing up Mike Oldfield. I'm... When we do the Peach and Black podcast, it's always me. I'm the only one. Oh, but you know, Mike Oldfield did this. And they're like, oh, shut up, Mike Oldfield. But now you brought it up first, so let's go. Oh, Mike Oldfield in heaven. That would be just fantastic. He's already there, pretty much. He's, his level of musicianship is just off the charts. It's just out of this planet. Did you but, hear but the new his, album? No, I haven't heard him for a while. But he's someone who has set trends. You notice the ones who are really big musically are the ones that are that are new, that are mm. unique. You know, the ones that follow trends, they're usually the ones that are just one-hit wonders and you never hear of them again. 
But then you get people like Mike Oldfield, who was just so himself and unique. Man, he's timeless. You could listen to Tubular Bells now and just love it to bits. It's great. Even though it's how old? Pretty old. 72 or 73, yeah, I think that was. It's still a classic. It's still a classic. Sure, the... The, uh, the quality of the recording isn't as great as, you know... Well, there was the a remastered version play. came out sometime. Yeah. That sounds better, but it's still, you know, limited by what was recorded at the time. What he did was, he remastered it and put it out. Everyone bought it after they'd already bought the original on vinyl. Yeah. And then probably cassette, and then probably CD. Yeah. Then the remastered version on CD. Then there was, like, Super Audio CD and DVD, Quadraphonic Sound DVD. Lovely. And then he decided, well... Yeah, it still sounds crappy. I'll re-record the entire album, note for note, which he did in 2003, and then re-released that on CD and Super CD and all the formats again. You haven't heard that, obviously, either. No. That's really good, but, you know, it's exactly... It's um, 99% the same, but he's like, oh, the first version, there's all these little mistakes and bits that annoyed him. Oh, so he fixed it up. So they're all perfect now. So the album is the perfect album... But we're already used to the original and all those weird little things. But now some of those weird little things aren't in the new one. Mm. So it it's good and bad. It sounds unbelievable because it's mm. you know it's only it's recorded with today's technology, but it's not exactly the same. You need a bit of audio engineering. Uh, what's your favourite form of uh, recording? What's your favourite recording medium? I mean, what do you mean, like vinyl or CD? Well, or something? going back, I remember that um, I remember being taught at uni when I was doing music. That beta videos was technically are, better than VHS. Yeah, and they they have been used for a long time because of the quality of the sound in them. Mm. Is there any medium? I mean, there were DAT tapes. Mm. There were this and that. Is there any medium that that you like to record on? I don't really care. Doesn't matter. They're they're. I mean, they're all slightly different, but yeah, to be honest, I really don't care. You think like final format? I'd say vinyl sounds better than CD. Right. But again, if it was recorded on digital mm. and then it was put onto vinyl, it's still going to have that limitation of digital, even if it's been put on vinyl. Can you get different quality um, digital recordings? Uh, well, now... Because I know they're all digital, but there are so, there's so many, like, certain uh, uh, things have so much memory as compared to mm. others. Some things hold more, which, which means that um, they free up memory so that they can um, make it sound better than, say... Something else which has less space. I haven't done it for work for a while, but I don't think anyone's even using using actual, still, even digital tape anymore. Now it's all just 100% digital, mm. is my guess. Mm. You know, you can record straight to a, you know, a terabyte hard drive. You're never, you're never going to run out of space. Mm. But I suppose there could still be people using tape, like even analog tape, like, who still prefer... I mean, even Prince's... Now and then, there are still people recording on analog tape because they like the sound of it, and it's, wow. it it sounds warmer, so they say. Yeah, and I, going I, you back, can hear a slight difference, but because going back back to the the nineties, there was that whole analog versus digital debate, mm. and guitarists especially uh, were, were divided because you know there's something about playing a raw sounding acoustic song as opposed to an electric guitar going through an effects processor. Digital effects, yeah. Because with guitars, you know, there's so many different... It's so versatile. There's so many different ways to play it. Mm. And for a long time, there was that whole debate, is analog better? Mm. You know, bands like Guns N' Roses and Nirvana and Pearl Jam use analog in their recordings. But other people 
I who used a more digital sounding guitar effects prefer the digital sound. Is there one that you I mean favor? digital can sound cleaner, more like crisp, but then you don't want everything to sound absolutely perfect. It's supposed to sound like expressive, I think. Yeah, I mean, and in digital you can lose that to some extent. I remember reading... But there's always going to be people arguing about, you know, even you're going to argue analog versus digital. You know, guitarists are still arguing about should you have a a, a valve amp or, oh, or the yeah. other type, you know. There are always going to be people who prefer this one or that one. And that's yeah. never going to change. Hmm. There's always going to be people just going this one or that one. It's all a matter it's of a, it's taste, a war. Really. No, it's not. Just people like this or they like that. Yeah. You don't have to choose one. Yeah. You can listen to both. That's fine. If you like that one, then use that one. That's it. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I think half the fun of analog recording is when it doesn't sound perfect, what you can do with that anyway. Mm. Like how you can play your instrument in such a way that even though the, the tone might not be great, you adapt to that mm. and, and you make it sound good anyway. <laughs> We've recorded some pretty garbage stuff, which is a horrible sound quality. But I think it's the best thing. <laughs> like, I'll still listen to stuff we recorded in, like, 1992. <gasps> and it sounds garbage. It's recorded on your... You don't even have that, that old stereo anymore, but it was the oldest thing. And, like, we'd play, like, Purple Rain or something, which had come out the left speaker. We'd have the microphone plugged into the right speaker, and we're singing along about some stupid thing. <laughs> and I still listen to that. And I think it's great, even though it is so limited by yeah. the technology of that day. And had we gone purely digital at oh, that point, garbage, we would have missed out on all that fun. It would have been note for note perfect, and it would have been as boring as anything. But you, re- I was just asked you about this only, a, I don't know, a month or two ago. We recorded a whole bunch of those radio shows on my computer. That's right. What happened to them? Did you find I them? think they're just gone. Oh, okay. I still have a bunch of CDs in storage, which I need to get out. They could be on there, but I think they might be lost. Lost to the time. No worries. Because oh, well. we recorded at least six of those, because I remember six. Yeah, we recorded them on, on your computer. Yeah. And they might be on a disc somewhere, but the thing is I need to get the discs out of storage because crappy CDRs deteriorate, and these are now, God, at least... 20 years old or close to it so I need to find them before they die because mm. I want to hear those so what else about music what else is there Mike Oldfield yeah new album you got to listen to that it's yeah, called, it called? <laughs> I can't remember <laughs> that's a good title it's <laughs> a great that album that suits Mike Oldfield perfectly because from what I gather he took a lot of drugs for a while back then uh, it is called there's a song on there called Nuclear I know that it's something there's something about a boat and wind and the rocks, man on the rocks. Oh, there you go. What train of thought that is? It's called Man on the Rocks. I'm pretty sure. But there's a song about a boat. There's a song about something about the sun. Yeah, typical Michael Field, rising sun or whatever he sings about. Yeah. But this, it's not a big one piece instrumental. It's like 10, 12, 12 tracks or something. Oh yeah. But he's got this singer who looks just like um, you know, Noel Felding from the Mighty Boosh. Yes. He looks just like him. Oh, okay. He's got the same face, same hair, black dyed hair with the fringe and everything. And he's an unbelievable singer. Cool. He's a really good singer. It's like, there's even... I won't go that far, but there's hints of, like, Freddie Mercury in his voice. Oh, good one. He's good. He's not the best singer, but he's very good. It's a good album. But last time I read 
Mike Oldfield was working on a full long piece guitar rock instrumental album, Ooh. which is out. I don't know whenever he finishes it. He's, he he lives in Bahamas. You know, he put mm. some pictures on like Facebook of him. Just takes a picture of himself and like his boat behind him and the beach and everything. I'm like, oh, look at him. He doesn't have to work. He doesn't do anything. He just sits at the beach all day, which is fine. This album could take ten years to make. He's not in a hurry. It's not like he needs the money. But I want to hear that another full full length instrumental guitar rock. Oh, it's gonna be excellent. Shall we call it a day? Are we done? Anyway, so that's it. Go buy Darren's books. Finding the Lost Years of Jesus, A Christian Approach by Darren Graham. That's it. If you care for it, that is. Well, thank you for interviewing me. Oh, it's good. Much appreciated. Now. Thank you very much. Buy the book. If you you want. This is the second book. If you want the first one, too bad. Sold out. Too bad. Out of print. Darren will sell you one personally signed for approximately 180 Australian dollars. (laughs) If you really want it that badly. One of only three copies left in existence in this house. <laughs> but this one, this is this is millions. There's millions of them. That's, yeah. They're on Amazon, so there's millions. Finding the Lost Shears of Jesus, you can get anytime. Yep, just go to Amazon. And I think they're selling on Amazon for 19 US dollars. And it's not called the early years, don't be confused. <laughs> I keep saying the early years. It's the Finding the Lost Years of Jesus. That's the one. Okay, the I end. I hope you enjoy it. Now... Yes. Outro theme music. Yes. Guess what it is. What? You remember a song called The Way She Looked? Yes. The guitar solo from that. Oh, is, excellent is the choice. outro theme music. Excellent and I've been using choice. that. It's great. Oh, I love it. The Happy end. really. Oh, fantastic. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.